This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Warning. This podcast is an audio documentary of a real crime case, which may be troubling and upsetting to certain listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The conversation moved fast. Onure menu. Check out today's menu. What a pretty face. Totally my style. Ah, feeling excited. My type is in room one. When are we going to rape her? Let's make a team. I saw two to three minutes worth of footage that showed what looked to be young schoolgirls who were naked. Oh! Those lines, narrated by the male voices you heard earlier, happen for real. Horrifying images of women in compromising or degrading acts. Footage depicting self-harm or torture, and even sexually explicit pictures showing individuals who seem to be minors. You're listening to True Crimes of Asia, a special podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Chang Mei-chun, SG's South Korea correspondent. In this episode, we transport you to highly wired South Korea. We look at the growing problem of digital sex crimes, what's being done to stop these illegal acts and help victims, and what they reveal about the country's dark side. The year was 2019. It didn't matter what time of the day it was, those scenes from the Telegram chat room were burst to life with vulgar comments or violent remarks whenever new videos or pictures were distributed in the group. The thousands of active members in the secret room did not know it then. They were being watched, monitored. Not by the police, but student journalists. Park Ji-hyun was one of them. She was trawling the net for new leads on the rampant problem of spy cam crime when she stumbled upon something called the Nth Room. She found an online blog that held links to several chat rooms that were hosted on Telegram, an encrypted messaging service. In these secret rooms, a user who went by the moniker God God would upload videos showing teens and children coerced into sexually explicit and depraved acts. Like any good journalist, Jihyun clicked on one of the links and entered a chat room with about 700 users. She then figured out a way to gain access into one of the nth rooms. As she told The Straits Times, They had created a sort of online prison called the nth room where they posted about 150 sexually explicit videos obtained through blackmail and threats. The most shocking was a video where the perpetrators made the victims engrave their names or IDs on their bodies using knives. The comments about the victims were so harsh, talking about the shape of their breasts or their faces, using words that you would never say in real life. Such sexual harassment and abuse were being directed at children and teenagers, and they were doing it in such a casual manner. It's just shocking how they had no qualms or guilt doing it. 
She didn't know it then, but Jihyun had just discovered the largest and most shocking case of online sexual slavery in South Korea. Dozens of young girls blackmailed, forced to take degrading videos of themselves to be posted online. Men would pay to watch. The girls were trapped in a digital prison. This was the epitome of digital sex crimes, spreading like wildfire in a highly wired country. Hidden cameras were being installed in toilets, changing rooms, motels, and other places to illegally film women in various states of undress. The recordings were posted online. There was a huge community of men willing to pay to watch them. Women were starting to feel unsafe, as they could be filmed even in the safety of their own homes, worried they might become the subject of someone else's porn habits. With the power of the pen in her hands, Jihyun dug deeper into the spy cam topic together with a friend. Both were college students. They were known as Team Flame, and their aim was to pull out the roots of this evil. But what they found in the ant room was so much worse. The two friends decided to call the police. They were told it would be tough for them to file a report if they themselves were not victims. Undeterred, they made their own way down to the police station to show the sex slave videos they had discovered. But they were told that Korean authorities did not have the power or resources to deal with it. The case was too large too complex. Who knows how many rooms could be tucked away in a highly secure platform overseas. So the two women, both in their 20s, decided to continue investigating on their own or reporting major findings to the police. The thought that I could become a victim myself made me want to stop such crimes. Ordinary women who are just going about their daily life and using social media could easily end up being filmed illegally and subject to sexual exploitation. The perpetrators even created rooms based on types of victims or fetishes. For example, flight attendants and teachers. People were told to take photos of teachers, find their social media accounts and profiles, post details such as their names, ages, and then sexually harass them in real life. They also created deep fake content by digitally adding the faces of unsuspecting women onto nude photos, and the victims were none the wiser that such images existed. The scary thing is that the culprit could be the victim's acquaintance or someone living in the same house. We felt we had to do something, and the role we could play was to write an article to inform victims and inform society that this is a problem. Team Flame's expose was published in September 2019 in an article after they won a competition held by the Korean News Agency Commission. It was titled, Do You Sell Underage Porn? It triggered a wave of media and police investigations that eventually led to the arrest of the ringleader Cho Joo-bin and his main accomplice Moon Hyung-wook in 2020. Cho, who went by the name Baksa, 
was paraded in front of the media waiting outside a police station, where he said, I apologize to those who were hurt by me. Thank you for putting a break on the life of a devil that could not be stopped. Then a college student, Cho was charged in court and received a 42-year jail sentence. He had forced 74 victims, many of them minors, into filming sexually exploitative content, which he sold to members of an intricate web of chat rooms on Telegram. He had 38 accomplices. His main accomplice, Moon, who went by the name God God, had created the original chat room. Moon was handed a 34-year jail term. As many as 260,000 users had access to those chat rooms, some paying up to 1,200 US dollars for the materials. Investigations revealed the following. The chat room operators lured young girls with lucrative part-time jobs and persuaded them to send suggestive photos of themselves. They used those photos and their personal information to blackmail the girls into sending more revealing and graphic images. Any refusal to cooperate will be met with threats to expose their identities to their family, friends or school. And this fear kept the girls obedient. That same fear has tormented victims of other digital sex crimes. From upskirt videos to spy cams and revenge porn uploaded by spurned lovers. In South Korea, such illicit voyeurism has become part and parcel of daily life. In 2021, the Korean police reported 16,866 cases of digital sex crimes, 17% more than the previous year. Experts believe that the actual figure is much higher as many cases are unreported. Activist Summer Cha is a member of Project Reset, a non-profit group that aims to eradicate sexually exploitative content found online. She attributes the trend to the low status and low rights of women in South Korea and fast-developing technology. She told The Straits Times, The prevalence of digital sex crimes and technology-based sexual violence stems from widespread misogyny in the Korean society which forces the woman to tolerate this form of violence caused by technology. It feels like the woman is just the man's accessory. She's secondary to him. She exists only to support him from behind and to make him shine. She is viewed as something that should not be in the spotlight. But if this changes and the man starts to view the woman as an independent human being, the crimes can be reduced. However, the man is still suppressing the woman. He needs to change the way he perceives the woman. Her co-worker Yu Yong agrees. She told The Straits Times. In this society, the woman's body belongs to the man. The woman has no ownership over her own body, yet she is unable to speak up if her body is violated against her will, as it can bring damage to her reputation. But if the problem is not brought to light, there can be no counteraction. If the woman's voice can be louder, if her rights can be improved, and if the slogan My Body, My Choice can be embraced, it's possible we can bring down the crime rates. 
Summer recalls how sex crimes evolved with technology, starting from obscene prank calls in the 1990s. Then came SoraNet, the country's largest pornographic website containing thousands of illegal spy cam videos and revenge porn. SoraNet was created in 1999, during the era of the internet boom and at its peak drew more than 1 million members before it was shut down in 2016. In 2019, one of its co-founders was found guilty of distributing illegal pornographic materials and sentenced to four years of jail. She was a woman in her 40s. Soranet played a part in spreading certain sexual exploitation content across the whole country. The videos were viewed as something that everyone should watch at least once. And some people even joked that they contributed to the growth of Korea's high-speed internet network. Digital sex crimes increased with the active usage of the internet. But it's only recently that Korean society started recognising it as a crime. Women have also started to fight back and voice out, realising they have been unfairly treated. In 2018, thousands of them took to the streets to protest against spy camps and demand change, proclaiming, my life is not your pawn. Attitudes towards women as mere sex objects also need to change, according to Yu Yong. Korea has a very long history of patriarchy. This culture aggravates the situation for digital sex crime because it's perceived as a fun game that takes for granted that women can be teased sexually and that they should satisfy the men. The biggest issue in Korea recently was the Itaewon crowd crush accident. Many young people lost their lives. When monitoring Namcho websites that are primarily used by men, I saw many images of the dead victims being posted with lewd captions like, I want to F her. There were also many posts harassing dead women. It made me feel so angry, but at the same time, totally shocked. You know that is a Korean woman's status. That's where I belong. I'm just a person who gives sexual pleasure. It makes me feel totally helpless. No matter what I do, my status doesn't change. That makes me very sad. On a more positive note, law enforcement authorities have stepped up efforts to raise awareness about what constitutes online sex abuse. Big cities such as Seoul, Busan and Incheon have set up their own digital sex crime centres to provide support for victims. The one in Seoul was opened in March 2022. It has so far provided assistance to more than 300 victims, from teenagers to those in their 20s and 30s, according to its director, Ian Jong. She told The Straits Times. So once the victim comes in, we will check if this person has suffered from digital sexual violence. We have a checklist for that. Asking questions such as whether someone had filmed the victim's body part or sexual activity. We check if the victim needs help coping with anxiety by asking if he or she is feeling anxious and fearful over the possibility that the video was already um, distributed. We also ask um, how the victim was approached by the perpetrator and if he or she is asked to send photos of body parts or sex videos. The centre provides an integrated one-stop service that covers emergency counselling for victims, filing of complaints and recording police statements. They also provide legal advice, psychological therapy and help to seek the removal of videos. 
Each victim will be assigned an officer to take her or him through the whole process. So what victims want the most is the swift removal of their videos online because the damage is already done and they are afraid that people around them might get to see the videos. Since our opening, we have been focused on building a support system for victims and a technical system to make the removal of videos easier. So we are also working with the Soul Woman's Family Foundation and the Soul Institute of Technology to develop a system to quickly find and delete videos using artificial intelligence. The centre also seeks to raise greater awareness that digital sex crimes are wrong and to shift attitudes towards prevention. Digital sex crimes are not limited to South Korea. I mean, the whole world needs to address this problem and impose fundamental measures. Digital sex crimes will continue to evolve as society changes, so it's very important to react accordingly. International cooperation is a must, as there is a limit to what policies can do. The best and most meaningful outcome is to bring down the distribution platforms. If not, victims will continue to appear. Legislative change is already in place in South Korea. A new anti-anth room bill was passed in Parliament and went into effect in December 2021. It introduces tougher penalties for offenders and it requires internet service providers to implement measures to stop the distribution of illegal sexual content. Official figures showed that 87 providers, including Google, Facebook, Naver and Kakao deleted over 27,000 flag posts in 2021. But there is one glaring omission. Telegram. This was the encrypted messaging app where the Anthroom thrived. Telegram is based overseas and not subject to the same Korean rules. Telegram is also known to be highly secure, which is why Anthroom operators believed they would never get caught. Critics have since urged the Korean government to do more, while activist groups are taking matters into their own hands. When it comes to activist Summer Cha's Project Reset, the group actively monitors Telegram and Discord where many illicit materials are shared. We go directly to the Namcho sites that are primarily used by men to check if there's anything illegal taking place, and we collect evidence for reporting. We also serve as advisors to related agencies. We share with them the situation on digital sex crimes. We organize activities to induce legislative change. And we hold campaigns to maintain the continued interest in eradicating digital sex crimes. Yu Yong, who is also in Project Reset, feels that punishment must be strengthened to show zero tolerance for illegal filming. For now, there are no legal grounds to punish those who watch porn online that features only adults. But if you take photos of someone's body without consent, you can face up to five years in jail or be fined 10 million South Korean won. That's about 7,500 in US dollars. The online distribution of pornography is subject to a maximum of a year's jail or a fine of 10 million South Korean won. Those who possess child pornography can land in jail for a year or be fined 20 million South Korean won, while those who take and distribute child pornography face up to 10 years in jail. In reality though, implementation has been found wanting. 
The punishment meted out now is way too insufficient. It's just a slap on the wrist. Let me share some cases of absurd judgment. A man was found to have followed elementary school students home and taking up skirt videos of them. The judge ordered probation for him because he's only 19 years old and should be given a chance to correct his own behaviour, which means he didn't get any punishment. There's another man who joined the Discord chat room and purchased 156 videos that sexually exploited teenagers in school uniform. He also got probation because he did not view the videos repeatedly. There are many such cases where the offender gets off lightly for sexual crime against minors because he has a bright future or was under extreme stress. I think lenient punishment is one reason why digital sex crimes are increasing. The Nth Room's two main perpetrators, Cho and Moon, may be locked up for decades. But many of the others got away likely with just fines or probation. Of course, they didn't get a proper punishment. That is why we keep submitting a petition to demand for harsher penalties for them. I just heard that two more participants got probation, and I wondered to myself, how many women must be victimised for this to stop? How many of them have to lose their social lives for this society to change? For Jihyun of Team Flame, she finds that even the 42-year jail term handed to the mastermind Cho Jubin may be too little. When he finishes his sentence and returns to society, he will be about 65 years old. Is that enough punishment to make up for the sufferings of the hundreds or thousands of victims? And even if the mastermind gets punished, would the videos that he created and threatened victims with disappear completely within those four decades? No one knows. There's still something weighing heavy on my mind. I just cannot feel totally relieved. Ji-hyun is now a young politician representing South Korea's main opposition, Democratic Party. She intends to continue fighting for victims of digital sex crimes. I spent two and a half years covering the topic as an activist and journalist. Conversations about the problem have started. Sentencing standards have been created and perpetrators can now be punished. But these didn't stop the crimes. I felt I needed to do more. And the answer I could think of was to enter politics. I went in with the aim to create stronger and tighter barriers against digital sex crimes. And I'm trying to source all the ideas and friends who can help me accomplish this goal. You know, we need more women to step up to change the structure so we can speak out more against this type of violence and make a better world. Meanwhile, with legislation still lagging behind, more nth rooms have sprung up, including one pushing animal abuse materials. There is also another online sex ring dubbed the second nth room that got its creator Lee Song Yu arrested in Sydney, Australia. Yi has been charged for threatening nine underage girls and circulating 1,200 sexual videos of them on Telegram. He faces jail time of up to 25 years. Summer Cha thinks there will be no end to such crimes. 
There's no stopping this. It's a crime that cannot be stopped. Yu Yong says she sees too many new cases around her. Just this morning, I got a call that someone really close to me seems to have been victimised. She asked me how she should react. I thought I would have gotten used to it, but my heart still stops when people around me tell me they've become a victim. I helped her track down the images and found that they've already been uploaded onto overseas sites. I felt the severity of the case. Something needs to change, and that gives me a reason to continue doing this work. I don't want things to get worse. It will take a long time to bring about social change, but it's clear that if no one speaks about it, the issue will eventually just disappear. Public interest has already waned. If activists like us disappear, no one will be able to solve this problem when it happens again in the future. I do think that things are getting better, bit by bit. I'm doing my part to crack this humongous digital sex crime system. And if I can pass the baton on, we'll be able to keep the fire burning high in the future. Now, having lived and worked in South Korea as the Straits Times correspondent for the past eight years, and after talking to these activists and authorities, I can sense that the women here really want change for the future. But whether that will happen or not, I think it largely depends on South Korean men. Whether they are willing to change their attitudes towards women, to give them equal rights, instead of viewing them as mere accessories or sex objects. You are listening to the first episode of True Crimes of Asia, a new and special six-part podcast series started by The Straits Times in 2023. It was narrated by Chang Mei Chun, produced and edited by Tio Tongkai and Faiza Sani. And the executive producers are Ernest Lewis and Tan Tam Mei. The next episode will be out on May 23rd and thereafter, the fourth Tuesday of every month. If you'd like to read more of Chang Mei Chun's columns on South Korea, there's a link in our podcast text description. Once again, do follow ST's True Crimes of Asia podcast on Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. Get notified when we drop the latest episodes. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.